Who's afraid of the big idea? Welcome to Who's Afraid of the Big Idea with me, George and Jamie, a retail podcast tackling the industry's biggest challenges, opportunities and innovative thinking. Through meeting individuals and looking and exploring their organisations, we hope to share with you, our audience, some wonderful insight to help you tackle your big ideas. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Who's Afraid of the Big Idea? Today we're going to try something a little bit different. Um, so please, after the episode, let us know what you think about it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter or our website and get in touch uh, and let us know. But essentially, what we want to do today is discuss some recent retail experiences we've, we've had. So George recently got back from a wonderful holiday to Cyprus. And this is in fact the first time we've seen each other since your holiday, George. Um, and George was grumbling on about a couple of re- retail experiences he had on that holiday, which I think is possibly testament to his passion for quality customer service in retail. And so we thought we'd try this format out and see what it's like essentially. So hopefully you guys like it. Also this week, you may hear some funny sound effects uh, as you're listening. Reason being, we want to protect brand identity and not get into naming and shaming. It's all about the experiences and not the brands. George, perhaps tell us about your holiday. What happened? So it was a good holiday. It was a good holiday. There were a few things, and I'm glad we're sitting down doing this because I've been thinking about it ever since they happened. I thought it'd be a good opportunity to share. So... Obviously, thinking about customer experience and customer first thinking day in, day out, which is what you and I do uh, across our papers and books and talks, is always forefront of mind. So companies that have me as a customer are up against it in that sense. So I don't want it to come across as you know uh, bashing certain brands. I just want to explain where customer first thinking can really apply and um, there was a couple of instances on this holiday where it really came to the forefront so I thought it would be a useful exercise in sharing those and we can discuss here whether I'm right or wrong in thinking that. Uh, there might be a fine line between going on a bit of a rant and constructive criticism here then maybe? Yeah absolutely and you can tell me when I'm ranting uh, <laughs> because I need that sometimes. Uh, so first of all we get obviously going away we're flying to Cyprus um, we get to the airport um, First part of that journey, we've got to park our car because this is Stansted, which isn't actually in London. Um, it's quite a long way out. And we used a company to park the car. The car park was about a mile from the airport and there was a minibus that ran from the car park to the airport and it was perfect. Small company, I was expecting it to be a real hassle. But the guy met me, parked the car for me. It was pouring down with rain at the time. This was a week ago. Um, met me, took the car took a few details on a minibus. The whole process took less than 10 minutes from dropping the car off to being at Stansted, exactly as they promised, a really smooth operation. The same company picked us up a week later, was there ready to pick us up, drove us straight to the car park and we were on the way home before rush hour. Simple, they'd executed exactly what they offered in a really seamless way. So that was perfect, the perfect start. We get in the airport, we're flying with Cyprus and then when you get there, as you can imagine, everyone's been in the airport, it's, it's carnage. But there's a queue 
for you to check in your bags. I was travelling with my girlfriend, my brother was travelling with his girlfriend. They need to bring suitcases in the hold. Um, so we were there to check in. And you queue, and there's a person at the front of the queue directing traffic. But now there's so many price differentiation. Are you in the express lane? Are you in the ultra express lane? Have you bought the cheap seats? We bought the cheap seats, so we're in the, the long queue. And you get through, and then there's these automated check-in, you know, just like everyone's familiar with them, just like at Sainsbury's, Tesco, and all the grocers. You can check in your own bag, but the pods that are used to check in just appear at the end of this queue, so there's no real logic to who goes when. You get to the end of this queue, and then essentially what happens is you join another little queue <laughs> to get to the to check in your bag, and no one's really sure what queue they're in because the pods for checking in aren't in a logical order. They're just spread out in front of you. So everyone's being quite British and quite polite, but at the same time not really getting anywhere. So the first frustration is just checking in a bag. Really, really overcomplicated process that could be very simple with a bit of signage and a bit more manpower on the ground. Anyway, you get on and in the queue, I kind of skipped the point here, but in the queue before checking in, you have mobile checking, you have online checking. With you don't automatically sit together if you're booking with passengers. There's a fee for doing that. And you know, that's a straight away a frustration point, but I can understand why, you know, in terms of their objective, their brand mission, we offer cheap seats if you're happy to get from A to B. That's fine, and they deliver on that, don't get me wrong. But it's the knock-on impact of that. So as a customer, we've queued, we've gone through security, you're gonna get on the plane. But the knock-on impact of not having seats together means when you're in the cabin, putting your bags in the overhead, getting ready to take off, no one's really sure whether the, the plane's full. So everyone is on the edge of their seat, thinking and hoping Please be me, please be me, don't let anyone sit next to me, am I going to have a free seat? And what this creates is everyone's kind of standing on edge, not really wanting to commit to their seat. And it causes delays and everyone is just fighting on the, on the runway to, to either sit down or to be close enough to where there might be a spare seat or to move in their bag in the overhead. So it creates this really already quite tight-knit, pressured situation. It turns it up 10 notches which for me as a customer, you know, you just once you're on the plane, then you get the tannoy announcement saying, we hope everyone enjoys their flight. It's, it's just ironic, isn't it? Like how's, how's anyone gonna enjoy the flight based on this so far? So that was, that was, that was the first thing. And in, in my take on it is, you know, when you get to the airport, clear signage, a person directing you to where you check in your bag, or, or then once you get to the end of the initial queue, directing you to which podium you should take on quite a simple adjustment and when it comes to adding on the fees for sitting next to you has everyone within the organization considered the knock-on impact of that and the environment it creates as a passenger when you're on the runway and the taxiing and I'd be interested I don't know but any you know delays caused in terms of takeoff or in terms of people sitting those microsecond might even be minutes of difference between a plane being in the air and being on the ground huge cost implications for businesses so that was the first thing. I've got that off my chest now. <laughs> I don't know if you've had serious, similar experiences, Jay, or have any other stories you want to share while I've been away, because I know you mentioned a couple as well. Well, firstly, I think uh, it's interesting that there was a queue to join another queue. That seems a very British thing to have. Um, but I guess the, the, the overarching point is around 
budget airlines and customer experience and where they find the perfect balance. And I think there's an argument to be had that budget airlines should perhaps focus more on that customer experience. They've penetrated the market now and carved off a huge portion of the market. I mean, I don't look anywhere else, um, certainly if I'm flying into Europe, than a budget airline. So I think there should be a more of an emphasis placed on customer experience in that journey. And I think, you know, the the experience you had certainly highlights that. And I think there could be more. There's more that could be done on that yeah. front because you don't have to, you know, haul people around like like sheep anymore. Well, it doesn't have to be. In my mind, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can deliver an experience at that price level. Mm. The, the suggestions here are simply a. I suppose the question is, what is the other than a monetary another revenue earner in terms of sitting together? Does the does the money made from having that as a option as a revenue stream outweigh delays and potentially losing repeat customer? Mm. That'd be an interesting question, I think. And then secondly, in terms of simply having there are members of staff on hand already there, so the cost of having someone to direct you to these podiums is already being incurred by the by the airline. So they're already there. But it's just there's such a bottleneck of people and then everyone wants to make the most of their holiday. So everyone's yeah. in this mindset. And I think it's just simply a case of signage or doing things a little bit differently. Having an extra member of staff there to say, hi, this is where you go. That's it. That's what I'm talking about. And it's those little differences which can make a real, real difference in your overall opinion. Because already you're on the back foot before you've even started the flight. The reason I mentioned about enjoy your flight for me, that experience started two hours ago when I arrived and, and I'm already on a back foot. And I think it's very hard as a customer if you're put on a back foot for a brand to turn that around, however good the service might be. Because I was then really impressed by the service online. The stewards were really, really good. We actually developed a bit of a rapport with, with the guy and it's, it's a shame that that experience wasn't reflected across every aspect of the journey. I suppose that's the point I'm making. And I don't think it's hugely costly to do that. I think it's all about mindset and just thinking from a customer perspective, what can improve that experience? Yeah, I completely agree. I think the little things can make a difference and, and the marginal gains, which is something that you, that you always talk about specifically. Um, and for me recently, I got the, the National Rail app. I don't know. I think I'm the only person I know, in fact, who actually has the National Rail app, but I love it. And the reason being, they introduced a feature. So when I walk up to my station, which is East Croydon on the way to work, mm. it pings me to say where my train is, what platform it's on, which is really simple because otherwise I used to have to go and scroll through it or type into Google Maps or whatever it is to, to work out my journey plan. And that helps me, not least because... I'm a 28-year-old with a back like Quasimodo and hunching over my iPhone all the time. Leaves me with a stiff stiff neck for weeks. And it's just a simple thing that, that I love and has really kind of um, helped me buy into that as a brand. And, and I think that's just a, a really good example of a little difference which has a big impact on someone because that's um, something I use every day now. I see that the, their brand every day. And, and I love that yeah. simple service they provide me. Absolutely. Organisations of all different shapes and sizes can, in, in my opinion, thinking about that customer and thinking about the little things that make a difference, particularly the, particularly the human things like that, you know, it's a, it's a knock-on effect. I don't think anyone designing an app has thought about someone's back. 
when they're leaning over or that that experience and it's a really interesting point you make we said so, so if i jump to i'm in cyprus now everything's got you know nice on holiday but we're with a small company down on the beach and they hire out boats so anyone can you know hire a boat a couple of hours go out and uh and enjoy the afternoon and they're a small company the guy is hot who who started it about 15 years ago i got got chatting to him uh turns out they had about 45 employees i didn't learn this till the end it looked like a fairly small operation but we went out on the boat and within about 15 minutes uh my girlfriend from the swell was getting really really seasick and obviously we'd hired this for about four hours um we didn't want the rest of the party to miss out on on the trip and i so i'm thinking what are we going to do like how am i going to get her off the boat are we just gonna have to wait on the side and we called the radio and i was half thinking I'm just doing this for her benefit so she can hear I'm trying to get her off the boat. And they picked up within 10 seconds and said, don't worry, we have a safety boat going up and down, we'll be with you in five minutes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is an absolute result because girlfriend's been sick, I've tried to be the hero and I thought this isn't going to work, but I'm only going to fail. And then within five minutes, boat was over, got us onto the boat, Bear in mind my girlfriend's been physically sick over everything, so the safety boat was covered in sick within minutes. <laughs> they waited really patiently, started a conversation, tried to, you know, um, take attention away from the swell by talking about features, like really considered, really thought through, really human uh, response, and then waited on their own time. They might have had other issues to get to, we don't know. Waited till she felt better, and then really slowly took us back, and it was about, on this speedboat we were on originally, we'd gone about 10 kilometres, 12 kilometres, it wasn't a short distance, and they took their own time to make sure she felt good, got back, gave her water, you know, sat her down in this kind of cool staff room area. You know, it's just just brilliant, brilliant service. The guy was super polite, super considerate, and based on that, so we've paid quite a bit of money to hire these things, and we're sitting there feeling, oh, you know, could have been a waste of money could have gone back and associated something that was just completely out of their control but with that that company and instead i would recommend them to everyone and i probably wouldn't go back with my girlfriend but we'd go back again because it was such good service and it's just those little things that can turn you from a really awful situation she was crying she was being sick and then this one guy this one company who'd really thought about their service and repeat business to turn it around and for me it was just brilliant like they dealt with it so well and the biggest takeaway is they responded quickly really human response really considered and at that point it wasn't about them it was about their customer and I think that's the mentality I want to get across in everything we do is it's just what would you do if that was you or you were in that situation and they just nailed it yeah yeah I, I completely agree i think what comes across from that story is like you said a human response to a problem and an empathetic res- response to a problem and while you were speaking it reminded me of a situation i was in recently um so i use amazon loads right and they have third party providers mm-hmm. and you can shop through amazon and i bought a blender and the blender quite literally set on fire in my kitchen and so i tried to send it back but the supplier wouldn't have it, right. and I'm am th- thinking that is just an awful response to the to this situation. I can't prove that it's set on fire because I had to get rid of it yeah. naturally, and 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 the supplier said, no, I'm not I'm not refunding you for that, and that look that looks really bad 
on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I think perhaps they need to have some sort of more of a level of control yeah. over that. That said, I still shop on Amazon for everything. So perhaps I'm a bit of a sucker or, or they're just doing something right, which is the convenience factor. But that was probably the worst retail experience I've ever had. Well, in my mind, that, again, just highlights communication. What the success of the boat trip story I just shared was based on very simple communication. Myself, radio and headquarters, them sending to a safety boat and then the guy communicating in a really nice way. All of it comes down to communication when it's in suppliers they've got a good relationship with whatever retailer and they do regular business with them, it's in their best interest to maintain that relationship. So then you losing, or the retailer, sorry, losing a customer is going to impact their business, but they don't necessarily see that or necessarily, I don't know the business, but I'm necessarily incentivized to care. And it's about that element of care. Uh, you know, another, another example of this kind of communication piece, my phone is now up for an upgrade mm-hmm. and obviously you know, as a businessman, I want to check my communications when I'm away. I was checking it and I had all these missed calls and they were London numbers. And I thought, you know, it might be something important. So I took time to get back to it. What it turns out is I had seven missed calls from, in terms of my upgrade for my new phone. Fine. I want to get in touch because my contract's coming to an end. No problem with that. I've got a contact with you. I've shared my details. No problem. One call would probably suffice or the fact that I haven't responded might suggest I'm not available given a period of time, thought it was a little bit excessive, got back, within minutes of turning my phone back on after the aeroplane, the phone's ringing, again, my natural reaction as a businessman is to answer that, it was the car phone checking that I was aware that my contract was coming to an end, I, I, I was aware, thank you, um, and then I wanted to ensure, again, there's a little bit, I think, as customers, from a customer perspective, you always hear these stories, right, that someone's got this great phone contract or this great uh, Wi-Fi deal because they were kind of holding out for more or, or you know, you hear the anecdotes, oh, I'm going to go to the rival, so they offer you a different price. So I think going into these conversations as consumers, you're always thinking, right, I want to get the best deal. And you kind of, rightly or wrongly, don't trust what they're telling you is the best deal. Uh, kind of like a car salesman mentality, I suppose. I previously made mistakes with my mobile phone and I've been reminded that by that by colleagues so I was, ma- I was keen to make sure that I got the right deal and the right handset so I didn't really want to just do after a four hour flight a quick five minute chat and agree to another 24 month contract with a phone I hadn't touched so I clearly said interesting thanks for your call appreciate it I've got the message now my phone's up what I'd like to do is go away into the store and feel the handset get a feel for it I don't really know much about what device I want can I do that in my local there's one in Greenwich. Uh, can I go and uh, and do that? And then you can call me back and I'll tell you if I want it or not. And he's like, okay, I'll call you back on Monday. I've gone through the deal with him at this point on the phone and I've asked for X amount of data, X amount of minutes for this price. If I refer your name to the person in store, can I just pick it up there? That'll save you having to call me. Oh, no, no, no. You, you can't get this offer in store. What do you mean I can't get this offer in store? I've got to wait for him to call me back on Monday night. So for me, that overall experience was a little bit like, you know, I've had a good service and I've been happy with it. But just at the end, at that point where I'm considering either staying or going, they've kind of lost me mm. based on communication. And I'm, I'm assuming incentives for call centres and sales over the phone not aligned with store. Mm. Again, I don't know this. But that's the experience from a customer that I had and has, put, has, has made me consider. I literally walked in across the road to EE 
to weigh up my options. Yeah. Because of that, and I, if it had been a water company boat experience, it wouldn't even cross my mind. So I just think it's interesting how working in the space, and obviously we comment, and then from a to purely with a customer hat on, the experiences we see every day. And then there was just one other thing I thought which I'd share, which was a useful story, and again, kind of outline some of the themes we talk about. Back to the beginning of the holiday I was just on. Obviously, as a, as a passenger on an air flight, depending where you're going, you're usually on the plane for a couple of hours if it's a European trip. We, we were heading to Cyprus, as I said, it was four hours. A lot of that time, time when you're available, you're sat there. Um, the airline had partnered with a car rental company, you know, it makes sense. We get off, so it's a late night flight. Again, as a customer, you've gone for the kind of off hour flight because it's a little bit cheaper and you're flying with an airline that offers cheap service. Fine, I get all that. But what we found as we got off the plane, everyone's always a little bit heightened, stressed from travel anyway. You get through, you pick up your bag, you get through, and then you want to just pick up your rental car and get to wherever mm. you're staying. There was six rental car providers. None of them had a queue apart from one. The one was the one we were obviously with, and it's because this car rental company partnered with the airline we were flying with. So everyone that arrived on that flight with that company had seen the marketing materials in part and gone to this car rental for that their car for that trip. So what you've got here is a situation where 100 people are getting off, whatever it is, say 100 getting off the flight, and then anyone who's hired a car are queuing up. Inevitably, the people who are queuing up, who tend to hire cars, are families, because that's where it makes most sense. So you've got this queue all the way back, and you've got three guys working. I'm assuming they know the times that the flights land. So the first thing would be to anticipate that customer problem. I'm guessing, and again, I don't know, but I'm guessing at 10 p.m. in Pathos Airport, every Thursday, this flight lands, and people probably experience it. And I'm guessing the staff that work there are probably overwhelmed by this sudden surge. So it's about connecting the dots and thinking, well, actually, from a customer point of view, they've been on a plane for four hours. Why don't we meet them when they come through? Just have a person stood there with a tray and glass of water. Here's a drink. It's going to take about 20 minutes. Take a seat. Have a waiting room feel. Offer some drinks. I'm not talking about expensive changes. I'm not talking about huge costs. I'm saying have someone meet you and explain it's a big surge, we've just had a flight land. Rather than standing in this queue for 20 minutes, waiting whether you can leave to get a drink or to go to the toilet, you've just got off a flight, take a seat, toilets are here, here's some water. We'll come to you or we'll let you know when you're next served. And then that means you can relax. You've got all your luggage, remember? So instead of dragging it and, you know, when you're in a queue and you're just shifting your, mm. your bag forward two inches every time, then you get to the front. And in our particular experience, this was, this was over an hour we were waiting. That's what it is, fine. We get to the front and obviously everyone before us had hired hatchback cars. That's what we wanted, because um, it fitted and is what we paid for online and booked. They'd run out. This particular sales agent was aware they'd run out, but instead of saying uh, to us that unfortunately the car you booked isn't available, would you be happy to take this? It was turned round to, it's your lucky day. Mm. We're upgrading you to this. And um, we quickly realised when we said, well, actually, where we're staying is quite narrow lanes. We don't want a bigger car. Thank you. It then turned around, well, actually, that's the only car yeah. we've got. So you yeah. are having that. Yeah. And it's like, again, you know, just be honest, transparent. Think about your customers. I'm going to be in a better mood if I've been met 
and then maybe more open to these suggestions. But because of every step in that process, my you know I'm at the end of my tether, and you get to the front, and what you just want is a bit of honesty and to quickly move through the process. You then have to fill in these forms. If you're partnered with the airline, why not distribute those forms like immigration cards where you can use that time or submit it, not necessarily send it from the plane, so obviously you don't have the signal, but electronically fill it but, in and as soon as you land. But it can be done digitally. So if, if you're signed up to the right app, for example, it's quite easy for them to perhaps partner with the car rental company. As a customer, you're absolutely going to consent to the car rental company sending you a message saying, car's not quite ready yet, make yourself comfortable in the airport, grab yourself a water, yeah. we'll then notify you when's best to come up to the desk. Oh, and by the way, during that 15 minute wait, fill out these forms so you don't have to do it here. Exactly. Quite a simple thing to achieve, did you see? It's just, it's just simple things. Firstly, like I said, plane lands, big group of people all going to this one thing. Maybe you need extra staff. That's one solution. Everyone's queuing, maybe meet them with some water and, pl and ask them to see it. That, those little experiences put everyone in a better mood. So when they do get to the front and have to fill out all these forms, which is a necessary evil, I understand that, either they should have been done previously or they'd be in a better mood if they do have to do them there and then. And then what you want is just honesty. It's fine. If the cards run out and these are the options, explain that. But you lose trust straight away with your customer when there's a see-through sales technique. Mm. So yeah, I thought it was just an interesting example of all the experiences. Two relatively small companies compared to the other two. Unknown. One a Cypriot water sports company run by a Dutch-English family. One small, relatively small car parking company delivering fantastic customer service because they're delivering on what they promise and doing it in a sincere human way versus two bigger companies who aren't really delivering what they promise, in my opinion. And then worst of all, in the case of the car rental, misleading customer who's already at the end of their tether. So I just think it's interesting and I just I thought in terms of what we talk about day in, day out, there were really good examples of where sitting back and looking, looking back at the whole spider's web and working out, well actually, what are these customers, what are they looking for? How can we make simple changes from a customer first perspective to improve those experiences? And nothing we've talked about here is super advanced technology, super costly. It's some of those little things that can make a real difference. It costs nothing to be polite. You and I talk about this as well. And I suppose that last example is when you get a, you know, we've had these before, sort of blunt emails where it's name, boom, 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 rather than, you know, it's, it's nice. You don't have to go over the top. And I appreciate people are time sensitive. But if you can be polite and human and think about your customers, I just... I just think it's a, a yeah. million miles different from from services that don't offer that. Yeah, I think be, beyond the kind of um, you know the, those words that we always use, kind of customer centricity, multi-channel, kind of seamless experiences. You know what these examples have all revealed is it's all about kind of people first. So rather than customer centricity, it's just people centricity. Thinking as a person and what you as a person would like to experience in that moment and that's something I know you write about in your new book but I think that as a mindset behind these business decisions is so important. Exactly, I, I want us to be the first to coin that phrase, it's people first thinking. Think about people as people and that could be customers or it can be employees or it can be partners. Yeah. Ultimately these are people, these are just different words for people. Mm. I travel, I buy products, I also work in the space, I'm a professional. 
but really I'm a person. In all those different environments, I'm a person. And my mentality doesn't really change. I might be more understanding, more patient when I'm on holiday and relaxed and you know, a little bit more sharp and business savvy when I'm at work. But ultimately, my morals, my approach to life, my approach to people doesn't change. And I think if businesses can harness looking at people as people, we'll, we'll all be in a better situation. And you're exactly right. That's what we talk about in, in the new book. And also, we're going forward we're going to be expressing more and more about people first thinking, just thinking as people and how that impacts uh, your, you know, your, your business culture, your processes and maybe those technology investments. Because I think one of the biggest ironies and it relates to this is, you know, we talk about personalisation and you'd have a conversation for half an hour about personalisation and data before the word person or people has even come up. You see, we're looking at all these kind of data tags and metrics that we associate with a you know inverted commas personality but actually people are very complex and uh if you think and experience just like a chef you know taste taste any good chef tastes that food every step of the way before he puts it out and he brings it back and he refines that recipe if if i think it was nigel if nigel had got off the flight and experienced that cue I'd love to know, I should have asked him, when was the last time you experienced what yeah. we've just gone through? Because I think that's key. Anyway, like I said, I, I, I've waffled there a bit, but I think they're really important lessons. And just having experienced those, being out of the kind of working environment and the kind of professional capacity for a while, just to experience what life's like as a customer, it's given me a real fresh insight to some of the challenges and where the industry, uh, both travel, retail, and some of the others we've discussed are really at. Well, I think that's a fantastic place for us to wrap up today. Um, you guys listening, if you've enjoyed this episode, just let us know what you think. Uh, perhaps share to our Twitter um, any recent good or bad retail experiences you've had. Um, and that's at One Connected with the number one. Um, but for now, that's over and out from One Connected Community HQ. So there it is, another episode of Who's Afraid of the Big Idea. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found it as inspirational as us. To learn more or to check us out, follow us at One Connected, that's the number one, Connected, on Twitter, or check us out online at www.oneconnectedcommunity.com. That's one, O-N-E, connectedcommunity.com.